I'm Andrew Faust, here with Permaculture Perspectives. I wanted to do a quick podcast to share some thoughts about some of the latest topics circulating around out there in the news and other materials that we're hearing about right now. The Democratic Party, for instance, endorsing nuclear power, which is a topic I'll be talking more about today in the problems and irrationalities of that. And in general, there is this tendency that I want to speak to happening in this country for white privileged men to really be disengaged from rallying around solving the problems that we're all grappling with due to, I think, a sense of fear, vulnerability, and entitlement. And These are things that I'm going to share my viewpoints through some different stories and synopses of materials I've been studying and reading recently and listening to. Yesterday on my way to Long Island to do a permaculture consultation for a very dear family there with three children, one of whom is struggling with some sensitivity issues and so they care about things like organic food and healthy air and a graduate of our class Anthony recommended me to them because of my life experience in choosing a different path that doesn't just buy into modern western technologies as something that are safe and sound and I think that this delusional notion that technology itself, and especially industrial technologies where we are doing things with petroleum and with uranium and with all kinds of heavy metals that don't make any practical sense, but has been aggressively normalized by a private enterprise sector, robber barons, really going back to this pattern of the wealthy hoarding and keeping the public from being able to recognize that it is not benefiting them, the people, to have all of these technologies in our daily lives that are actually giving us cancer making our children sick and causing us to have a low quality of life, life experience, meaning many people are chronically struggling with illnesses and health issues and asking the question why. And today I'm also going to speak to another issue that I've felt uh, is coming up, which is this, this erroneous notion that's put out there by people like Charles Eisenstein on a recent broadcast and others, he's not alone in this, but this tendency for the kind of, I'll go and say it, New Agey, Eastern mysticism, Buddhism crowd to make it out as if really the reason why we're getting sick is because we all just haven't jiva muktied ourselves enough. We all got a bad attitude. Well, I can tell you I'm feeling healthy and strong and vital and 
I've got a bad attitude when it comes to a lot of things going on in this country because I think if you don't, you have something going on in your psychology that is delusional. And it's been supported by your family and your community and people around you in some way, shape, and form. That's why delusions are able to become reality. And especially when we're talking about this tendency for white privileged males, the individual I was just referring to, fits that profile. And this tendency for white males to say, well, you know, really, people just need to, here we are again, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and have a good outlook. The problem in the world today is that people aren't positive in their mindset. That is such a misrepresentation of reality that I have a little bit of challenge being articulate with you all in my response to it because my feeling is a very visceral, nonverbal one of utter and complete repugnance for the statement that in some way it's up to the individual and their mindset to deal with why people are dying in droves in this country of cancer, which is entirely preventable and a result of chronic and ongoing violations of our really most rudimentary environmental laws. We don't enforce them. We don't enforce the Clean Air Act. We don't enforce the Clean Water Act. And this tendency to say over and over again in these sort of meditation and holistic healing and we're going to eat all kinds of like, you know, smoothies of kale chips, all of a sudden the problem is that we're not eating enough plants and being vegan enough and being holier than thou enough and that's why we're getting sick. And that whole notion is really dis beyond disingenuous. It is hurtful to people who are suffering in pain and have a much more legitimate explanation for what the causes of that than to say that it's their mental attitude. What Eisenstein was actually suggesting was that in the COVID period, our challenge is to practice a sort of Buddhist state response to people dying. Well, when we know that many more people who are black and brown and people of color and underprivileged people and people who aren't being given advantage and catapulted through the roof by the privileged class endorsements, everybody who's disenfranchised and left out in the cold in this country, which is most of the people, that's who's getting COVID in much higher rates. And for someone who's white, privileged, and buffered to say that it's about practicing some mental exercise is insulting. And it shows how much of a tendency there is in the liberal left crowd to suggest that we simply have to eat better and have a better mindset when in fact what we need to do is clean up the environment, number one. Clean up the environment. Anything short of providing the American people of every background and interest and character, all the people, providing them with healthy air to breathe that we know does not have 
carcinogens, teratogens, mutagens, or endocrine disruptors. And these are the things that are much more egregious and harmful to human health and well-being than carbon ever will be. And in my estimation, carbon obfuscation rhetoric has led us to the state of affairs where the Democratic Party and the Green New Deal platform that they're starting to craft together is, in effect, saying once again, oh, let's give a nod of idiocy to nuclear energy. Again, I think there's just a couple words that we should be able to say to ourselves, and they're the names of some places to remind ourselves. Fukushima, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, Bikini Atoll, Chernobyl, Three Mile Island. Does anybody in their right mind think that it makes an iota of sense to continue to rely upon beyond dirty, utterly homicidal and self-annihilation modes of generating electricity. I mean, there is no scientific agreement about what we're going to do with radioactive waste. None at all. And that's because scientists are smart enough, even though I see them as oftentimes the rhetoricians behind our Promethean love of technology without the critical or ethical ability to think straight when it comes to which ones we allow into our public realm, when, where, why, and how. We need to be so much more thoughtful, critical, and incremental when it comes to technologies in the Western industrial G20 nations. And those technologies need to clearly be about by the people, for the people, And the notion that we would roll out again a way of creating electricity that really was only created to create fissionable materials for nuclear bombs, this shows that we don't know our history, which is not a surprise to many of us who do bother to read other books than what we were told we had to read, and who do have the privilege and the comfort to be able to do so in our lives. And we turn around with that opportunity and we give back to our culture and our society by saying, you know what I've learned? What I've learned is that this society is corrupt and is not at all something that we can trust to lead us in the right directions with business as usual or the power structures that be. Those power structures are utterly morally decayed and need to be not relied upon. The new power structure is the power of the people and it comes through our solidarity and our communal capacity to together create a future by growing more of our food together, by generating energy where we need it and when we need it. Because the biggest mistake that's happening in the American mind is the notion that we need to provide as much energy and possibly more than we're using right now in the same form that they are being provided by the petrochemical nuclear infrastructure. And I would suggest to you 
that we can achieve a great deal by first thinking about how to do things in a way that doesn't require such an obscene expenditure of energy inputs to achieve the finished results, the yields, the work that we're trying to get done. The first most important step to take in redesigning our society, our world, and our infrastructure, and our economy to be truly by the people and for the people is the step where we move towards localization, cooperation, and decentralization of the industrial machine. And what we'll find is that the orders of magnitude of benefit and yield from paying attention to how we cut down on the need for energy inputs in the first place by reconfiguring how we're doing things to make more sense in terms of natural free energy that is abundant, widely available, and vastly underutilized in this addiction infrastructure of petrochemical nuclear apologists. And that addiction mentality of rationalizing, justifying, and continuing to act as if we can't live without this toxic substance that is actually killing us and taking us away from our larger, greater human family due to a fear-based sense that there isn't enough of this toxic junk to go around. And so therefore, we need to hoard our capacity to have control over the access to oil, mines, when in fact it turns out all of that activity is a completely irrational, self-destructive behavioral mode. Because in fact, all this energy that we could ever want is available for free right now on the planet. It's everywhere. Some places there's more of it, some places there's less of it. The first and biggest form of this plentiful and generous energy that the universe has made available to us just by virtue of being alive on this amazing cosmic phenomenon called planet Earth. It's the thing that rises in the east and sets in the west and it makes up, oh, I've learned through studying astrophysics because I've had some privilege and comfort and the ability to sit back and enjoy watching Nova and reading extensive books. I've learned things like the sun is 99% of the mass of our solar system. And why would we be foolish enough to think as a species that evolved around the equatorial rain belt from apes who owe their lineage back to the ability for the ocean to be the womb which gave birth to all life on earth? How, when we know our cosmic story of evolution, would we be so deluded as to think we can't do well, live well, prosper, and live long by the fruits of Mother Nature and nothing more and nothing less? And all that the industrial, technocratic, toxic machine is, is less. It's not more. 
It's not offering us anything that we need. Not a thing. And by moving towards a way of living, reconfiguring our infrastructures and retrofitting our entire economy over the next generation into an economy that is truly paying attention to the bottom line, the bottom line is what can the earth provide for human beings? And what it turns out is the more we garden and cultivate the earth wherever we are, the more she can provide per amount of land space and ocean space. The ocean, 70% of the planet, the ocean is waiting for us to wake up to the contradictory activity of industrial fisheries, which are utterly decimating a food base that is basically capable of supporting easily 10.5 billion people on this planet. The notion that lots of people is a problem is misguided and is used as another way to facilitate the notion that there's not enough to go around and we better start trusting the technological industrial machine to take care of that crisis that awaits us, the food crisis. Don't worry, Monsanto and agribusiness have it taken care of. They had their their technicians in their lab coats making sure that they have gotten into the cellular structure of the few plants that they're trying to feed the entire world on that are annuals and highly susceptible to drought and to climate irregularities. And so they've now genetically tinkered and created a Frankenstein phenomenon that is this flimsy, propped-up, technocratic construct that cannot, by any stretch of the imagination, feed the world's people. But the argument for it is, just as the argument is for nuclear energy, and that's why I'm saying the theme here to keep a bead on is the way in which this society has a misguided presupposition at the foundation of much of its rationalizations. And that presupposition is that there's not enough to go around and that we need technology to make it possible to satisfy the needs of the people because it's a dangerous world ahead where there's looking very likely, as if in the near future, we're going to have severe shortages of all kinds. Famine, die-off, starvation, because, oh boy, there's just too many people. Well, that mythos is a, is, is a myth in the sense of one that we don't need to think has any truth in it. I think myths are very powerful and play an important role in our understanding of the world. And this myth, the industrial myth, the technological myth, is one that we need to understand in the sense that it is a story that has no real connection to reality. Reality is that we are on a planet in outer space circling around a sun that travels right now in outer space at 67,000 miles per hour. The Earth is spinning a 1,000 miles per hour east at the equator. It's covered 70% in ocean. And it's taken 4.5 billion years of time to become this amazing, potent, complex, biodiverse, planetary creature that we are part of. And the opportunities and the possibilities that await us are unimaginable and exciting. 
and they have to do with our ability to recognize our true power and connect with one another and with the planet and with the landscapes where we live. And as we connect more with each other and we are outside more and disconnect from technology and grow some carrots and some zucchinis and some potatoes and plant some nut trees and some fruit trees and some berries and all of a sudden what's going to happen and is happening is we're going to realize that the capacity to feed ourselves is so within our grasp that it's humorous because it turns out it's fun, it's invigorating, and it's incredibly fulfilling beyond any number of likes you got on a tweet that you made. The ability to go outside and pick a leaf of arugula that you grew, pick a nasturtium that you grew, harvest a head of lettuce that you grew, pick some raspberries that you grew, and then harvest some eggs from some chickens that you've been feeding food scraps to and make yourself a really nice salad and omelet. And that's when it begins to dawn on us that in fact, there is way more than enough to go around. And what's gonna happen, and is happening, is we will cross a tipping threshold where our intuition tells us, because I trust that human beings are very intuitively intelligent. And what that means to me is that as these examples of local food, local energy, local living, the natural feedback process of people having positive experiences being outside and gardening and growing themselves, their heart energy, their nature connection, we are inevitably looking at a social transformation that is powerful and the sea change that we need which is collectively, comprehensively moving away from a technological model of growth and progress and moving towards and enacting a model of growth that is based on how nature works, how ecologies work, and how the planet, evolution, and our species works. And as we deepen our knowledge of nature, evolution, our own selves, and our story, where we come from, how we've lived, how we've gotten to where we are today, I am confident from my own research into those questions and that history that we will see that the future holds a bright, bright, and abundant opportunity for us as we step into our true humanity, our true role on this planet as a collective family, which is to garden the earth and to revel in the beauty and the miraculousness of this planet and of our inheritance and to continue to enhance and increase that inheritance by gardening and enhancing and cultivating and loving and caring for the earth, for each other, and for future generations. So thanks for listening. Those are my thoughts for you all today. Any conversation you'd like to have, I'd welcome. 
Look forward to hearing your comments on this. Feel free to reach out to me in other mediums. Uh, you'll find my email contact on my website, which is Permaculture New York, spelled out New York. That's permaculturenewyork.com. I would encourage you to spend a lot of time on that site when you get a chance. There's a video library that has a great deal more on some of the themes today, as well as a lot of writings that you can print out and read. And I am also on Facebook under my personal name, Andrew Faust. And we're also on Instagram under Permaculture Living. So using the technology to communicate the ideas to enhance the transformation is something that I am comfortable with and keen on. And in these times, we are looking at these tools to be part of the process of change, where when we use such a tool as a device for communication, we are in a much more responsible realm than when we are powering it by things that contaminate the planet for the next 10,000 years. And so it is as simple as powering our devices, powering our homes and feeding ourselves in ways that are nature-based. And we have the solutions, we have the technologies of the ones that are needed, and we have the retrofit design understanding to go about doing that. So looking forward to working with you all in this evolutionary path of life on Earth.